purple elephant shower thought of the day, which I just got from Reddit. Every zombie movie assumes that zombies would never attack each other. It's a little food for thought. Or a little brain food for thought. This is Purple Elephant Radio, where we hear about storytelling, originality, and creativity from the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. Uh, I'm joined with the first guest of this season who is a teacher at Mizzou. This uh, guy is a filmmaker, screenwriter, and has been teaching uh, those subjects at Mizzou for five years now. And I'm here with none other than Michael Coleman. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Sean. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, So yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that I just listened to your other podcast that you did for um, kind of like a filmmaker's podcast. And yeah. I'm glad I listened to that because I kind of want to take it a different route because first of all, I think your knowledge of films in general will probably go way over my head just because I don't, I don't know if I have that domain knowledge of just classic films, even though I'd love to get into that. But I just want to start off and we'll keep it brief, but how did you get to teaching at Mizzou? Because this season is all about teaching. So how did you get to teaching uh, filmmaking at Mizzou? You know, it's, I, I, I actually, I, I never set out to be a teacher. Um, that was never really uh, the plan for my career path or anything. And, um, you know, af- after college, I had, started a production company with some friends of mine and um we were you know shooting a lot of weddings and doing music videos and short films and trying to get a web series together and so i was i was basically getting a lot of experience um in the field and i was getting ready to get married and thought that uh you know if if the production company wasn't going to be able to sustain me full time i sort of needed to think about some other options uh in in terms of employment that weren't uh washing dishes or bartending um and so uh i actually reached out to a former teacher of mine who had become a good friend um and also someone that i've uh, worked on a couple of other film projects with a guy named Brian Maurer. And at the time, Brian was uh, sort of in charge of developing the production track of, of courses at Mizzou. Um, and they were really struggling to kind of fill the roles of, of, of these classes that they were kind of creating, but there weren't, a, you know, there weren't enough teachers, I guess, to go around necessarily. Um, who who had you know a good deal of experience in the field, and so um, you know just on a whim, I literally reached out to Brian and asked if there would be an opportunity to to teach a course of any sort. Um, in I guess this would have been the summer of 2014. No, this would have been summer of 2015. So uh, going into that fall semester and. 
it just so happened that there actually was um, a post-production editing class uh, that needed someone uh, needed someone to teach. And so um, Brian kind of pulled a couple of strings and got me in uh, as an adjunct professor into that class. Um, and I really fell in love with it. Um, and I think I think why why it appealed to me so immediately was that it it made sense to me to kind of like be able to use what I was currently working on as a means of like uh, subject matter for class um, to provide you know sort of personal experience and and using that as ex as an example as opposed to trying to decipher what someone else or you know some other bigger filmmaker or whatever um, might have done um, and. And so after that semester, um, you know, I, I reached out to Brian again and and he said that there was a screenwriting class that was gonna that needed somebody um, to teach in the spring. And so I got signed on to teach that. And it just so happened that as the spring semester was beginning, I guess this would have been spring of 2016, um, there was a professor who was, needing to leave his position uh, kind of a couple weeks into the semester. And so I just kind of found found myself in the right place at the right time um, for the first time really uh, ever. And uh, I was fortunate enough to take over his, his uh, block of classes in addition to the one that I was already teaching. And that kind of proved to the university and to the school that, you know, I was committed enough to um to doing this that it, it ended up leading to me getting hired on full-time starting in I guess what would have been the fall of 2015 and or 2016 rather and so yeah that's that's what I've been doing now yeah um I just want to touch back on something you said a little bit ago but you talked about how you didn't want you liked being able to recall like your personal experience and the stuff you were working on yeah and I think that I'm really glad you said that because that's what I appreciate, especially in the digital storytelling program is like um, my, one of my teachers last semester, Christian Rozier, he's like been working on a film and he's had to be like, okay, um, kind of like take a free day. Like I got to work on my own thing. And I feel like that's such a cool thing. And I liked, cause I think one of the things that turns me off from film studies and nothing wrong with it, but just this like, analysis of film and like analyzing a film to death when I would just rather be making something yeah. I feel like it doesn't translate as well as something like a film production class yeah yeah you know so as as someone who came through the the very kind of analytical track of film studies classes so when I was an undergrad at Mizzou there weren't any production classes that were available um, so, you know, the, the bulk of what the major required was sort of learning how to, uh, really digging into film analysis in, in, in the hopes that maybe you would become a critic, right. Or further, further go into academia and, you know, write a dissertation on, you know, 1930s German expressionism or whatever. And, and, you know, as, as big of a, of a cinephile and and just overall fan of, of of film that I am like 
I think that there's there's a time and place and there is value in understanding the theory and being able to analyze things. But if you're not able to put those into practice, it it always feels a bit stuffy to me or like, you know, um, it just what's the point, right? Like if you're not sort of like using these using these theories or or using all this analysis like as a means for your own work and your own expression, um, you know, it's 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 just kind of, it's just kind of like point uh, pointless almost. Yeah, and uh, I think to an extent. And I I like that idea of like stuff for your own. Um, well, just the idea of expressing your own thoughts and your own feelings through the stuff you're creating. And I think that's one of the issues when you analyze these great filmmakers is just, they lived a different life than you. They lived in a different time period. um, Especially if you're looking way back when like history as a whole was completely different. Um, And I, cause uh, one of the things that you talked about in the other podcasts that I listened to is you're working on uh, kind of a, screenplay that you want to turn into something about kind of your hometown in Florida. Is that right? And I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, well, not necessarily growing up in Florida. You could talk about that a little bit, but just this idea of like suburban boredom and that being a kind of means for creative expression. Cause I feel like that's kind of how I felt in high school. Yeah. I mean, that was really, where my love for not just movies but sort of like culture in general was really born out of out of that exact thing which is you know sort of suburban malaise or just being a bored teenager and not really being like like I was never like a partier or like a real socialite or anything like that you know I, I sort of had like my small circle of friends and uh you know, we like to play music and hang out in each other's basement and like watch movies, you know, and, and that, um, and I, I think that I've, I'm constantly like trying to sort of chase that feeling now in a, in a lot of, in a lot of the newer stuff that I'm kind of working on or writing. Um, it's, it's kind of funny cause like, you know, I have, I probably have like four or five different scripts that I'm working on right now. And if I really kind of deconstructed them and and looked at the brass tacks, they're all essentially the same story, but I'm trying to make them four or five different things. But like the theme that's kind of, uh, you know, threaded throughout all of them is, is, is kind of that sense of being young and, and, um, you know, and bored, but having like, trying to kind of like answer all of life's big questions when you have no life experience, but you kind of live vicariously through these things that you start to like, you know. Um, And, you know, and I I think that that's, that's something that I find really fascinating about kind of the, even, you know, the, the younger generation, which, which I guess would be like your generation now, right, which is a little bit different from mine in that like you know the 
sort of social media and the internet is like has is has always kind of been present um whereas it it wasn't necessarily for me and so i i find that to be a really fascinating thing because no matter where it is that you're in the world right like no matter what um uh suburban wasteland you might be residing in uh when you're when you're a teenager um you know there's this sort of like endless stream of of um of culture and 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 things that are available now that that could really um help people really early on kind of figure out like what it is like where your interests lie what kind of themes you might be interested in and and um you know what aspects of art and culture um you might want to try to bring into your, your own uh, whatever your own sort of personal expression or means of expression might be. Yeah, um, I, I think it's interesting that it has definitely changed with uh, YouTube and just other social media being so prominent. But I still feel like that narrative of like wanting to move to L.A. and just do something is there. But it's kind of changed from like, you know, let's be in a feature film to now let's all be TikTokers in a house and just do something crazy. And I think that's yeah. funny that it's still this like dream of moving to LA that I is still kind of this cultural dream for artists. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's something that's ever going to go away either. Um, you know, I feel like the two, you know, the sort of the dream of living on, on one of the two coasts, you know, in order to like make it big or, you know, find your riches or whatever. Um, at this point, I feel like that's kind of like just a part of the cultural zeitgeist that's going to exist forever and always. It's almost like like a an institution, if you will, you know, that kind of like that kind of dream. Um, but, you know, to the to the point about. To the point that you made about, you know, how it, it used to kind of be like, let's, you know, let's go out here and, and try to make a film or try to make a film in our own backyard and get it in front of these executives out in Hollywood. And, you know, hopefully we can be the next big thing. Whereas, you know, now everything is, it all seems to be so self-serving. Like it isn't, there isn't this kind of uh, communal or like community aspect to a lot of, uh, a lot of art in general and specifically in like, I think filmmaking and just like video content in general, you know, like if you have a phone and a presence online, um, you know, you don't really need anything else or anybody else to kind of like get yourself out there and become known or popular in, in, in some capacity. And I don't know, that's, <clears throat> that's kind of a big criticism that I sort of like have of, about all of that. Um, I, I feel like there's, there might be a more interesting way to kind of use some of these platforms, but of course they're just going to be kind of, it, it's going to take somebody to sort of like take a risk in order to make that the new popular thing to do. If that, if that makes sense. I kind of get what you're saying. Cause you're kind of saying that because everyone has access to a phone and everyone has access to social media, it's kind of just a hodgepodge and a lot of it's crap. And yeah. there's not much, you know, maybe you'll hit a, um, like a needle in the haystack that someone put a ton of work into, but it, it's just a tiny needle in all this like pile of stuff that maybe is funny, maybe is not, but 
for the most part, it's just not made intentionally, at least the way I see it. I think, is that what you were trying to say? Yeah, kind of. Or like, you know, like I think like what you're doing with Purple Elephant is, is really cool, right? Like not just with the podcast, but like with the short films that you're making and like, you know, in the, in the comedy and everything, like you're, you're, you're not using YouTube or, or any of these platforms as a way to sort of like, uh, promote yourself. You're trying to promote, like you're, you're still telling stories, right? Whereas if you look at like YouTube, you know, the vast majority of YouTube isn't necessarily story driven anymore. It's all personality driven. So like it, the content and its viewership isn't necessarily predicated on uh, how well this person can tell a story. It just depends on how uh, zany or cool or interesting of a character as they might be. Um, to, to whoever their viewership or audience is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm really um, curious because um, like hearing you say that, I completely agree that it is personality-driven, but I will say that I feel like Casey Neistat and the stuff, the stories he told kind of inspired me just to make videos, and it wasn't like a Hollywood director who I appreciate a lot of them, but it was like a YouTuber that got me into the craft yeah, and I, I think that he, you know, there there's definitely anomalies in the mix. And I would say that Casey Neistat, like, he's, he's like the OG of YouTube. Like, he's like the original content creator. And, you know, his work as, as first person as some of his things might be, right? Like a, maybe like a proto version of vlogging, you know, eight or nine years ago it's all still like story driven. And what is unfortunate is that like that sort of style that he kind of like developed and really honed and uh, like created himself is now has now just been recycled so much that it's become like, like a, a thing, you know, it's like a formula now, as opposed to like a new and unique form of expression. I guess. Um, And kind of one of, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. No, no. And that, that that just is something that like kind of has kind of always bothered me. Um, Or at least is something that maybe grinds my gears or has been the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I think you're right that his style has been kind of recycled of like the cinematic vlog is what everyone wants to do, but it's so unoriginal and it's so, kind of like cringy at this point, even if it is beautifully shot. And I think it's, you're right because people are kind of copying what he did instead of seeing that he created something completely new on a new medium and kind of learning that pattern of, I can't just copy. I have to do something new like he did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or trying to figure out like, you know, what, what aspects of what he was doing is appealing to you and then trying to like use those in your own new and fresh kind of way, you know? Cause I mean, originality, you know, originality is like hard to come by now. I mean, you know, no, 
no matter the story or the the form or whatever like everything has kind of been done um you know over however you know thousands and thousands of years centuries upon centuries of people making art and telling stories like everything's been done so it's sort of impossible to come up with like something that's completely and wholly original that no one's ever seen before you know um but the way that you can like get close is by like i'm all for like wearing influences like on your sleeve you know and being transparent about the the things that inspire you and the and the the other artists and and what have you who inspire you um but you still have to figure out like how you're going to use those right like not how you're gonna just like copy them to see if you can like do it but like how are these things fitting into like your your personality and, and your kind of like own creative uh process i guess yeah because that makes me think of the quote um and i'm probably gonna butcher it but something like uh bad artists copy and good art or and great artists steal uh ideas mm -hmm. and i think yeah. it's like steve jobs who got it from someone else who got it from someone else but the way i kind of interpret that is when you have stolen an idea you haven't just taken that idea you've taken so many ideas brought in your own story and like life experiences and it's all meshed together where it's unrecognizable even though you had influences from so many people instead of just copying one person shot for shot frame for frame whatever it is and it's obvious that it can be attributed to that other person uh but i wanted to transition back to teaching and I want to talk a little bit about screenwriting, mainly because that's the class that I had you for. Um, so when it comes to screenwriting, well, first I want to hear kind of your process and then kind of a question that I have in general of like teaching screenwriting is I, – I, and this applies to any creative kind of class. But how do you teach it and how do you think creative – and we can talk about like creative writing in general. How do you think that needs to be taught where people are bringing their own ideas instead of just kind of like we were talking about before, like mimicking the greats? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to your first question um, about, it's about my, my process. Yeah. Your teaching style. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm self-taught in pretty much, every regard other than being able to watch and analyze a movie which i guess at the same time makes me a quite a harsh critic of my own work um which is obviously a, a blessing and a curse um so so i try to kind of i i sort of like to carry that mentality um over into the classroom in that i think um you know, with a, with a lot of this stuff, whether it's screenwriting or, you know, production and, and, you know, using, using those tools and, and so on, um, you know, there, there are basics that need to be learned, right. Specifically to screenwriting. Like you have to understand, like, this is a different kind of writing than you're probably used to, right. There is a specific format that it has to follow. It should always be in the present tense. It, kind of looks a little bit strange um 
you know, but once you get those basics down, it's, it, it's, it's sort of then up to you to figure out how to use those tools. Right. And I, and I think the best practice is to just write, um, in whatever capacity that may be, whether it becomes some kind of script or is just, you know, a half page blurb about something, um, that's all practice. And I, and I think that specifically with writing, um, something that's really important is to try to develop some kind of discipline in that, in that craft very early on. Um, and what know, do you mean and, by that? Yeah. And so by discipline, um, you know, I think what do you, I, I would butcher this quote if I tried to, um, do it verbatim, but you know, Woody Allen, um, is sort of, uh, canceled now as he should be in culture. Um, but, uh, you know, he has, he has this quote that's sort of about how, um, you know, if you want to write, then you need to be, uh, you need to figure out how to sit down and write for an hour a day, even if just that, right? Like turn your head, turn your brain off, turn your everything else off and just like sit down and write. And so, and so that's kind of what I mean by discipline. Like whether you're in school or not, if you want to write a screenplay, right? You want to sit down and write a feature film. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna have to figure out like, when am I most productive doing this, right? Like for me personally, I'm, uh, I tend to be a little bit more clear headed, uh, and can focus kind of on writing in the more in the like really early morning, um, as opposed to like any other point in the day, right? So if I like have something specific that I'm, I'm trying to work on, um, you know, I try to make sure like within the first hour that I'm waking up, I'm going to sit down, say I get up at six in the morning by seven o'clock, I'm going to be sitting down and I'm going to write for two hours and that's all I'm going to do. And now two hours might not seem like a lot, right? But if I'm turning myself off from everything else, um, I can get like quite a bit written in those two hours. And then, you know, throughout the rest of the day, you can kind of go back to it and maybe do some editing or some revisions or whatever. Um, and so I think that that's something that's like really important is trying to figure out like what your, what your best working process is. Um, you know, if you tend to be more of a night owl, right? Like, you know, you, you gotta, you know, cut out whatever it else, whatever else it is that you might be doing at night and like, you know, sit down for a couple of hours and like try to write. Um, so, so yeah, so, you know, I, le learning by doing. And so like, that's, again, like, that's kind of how I, I like to approach my classes. I think I try to get like the basics sort of out of the way uh, early on. And then beyond that, uh, I think where I succeed most as a teacher is um, being able to provide feedback and have conversations about what my students are writing or the stories that they're trying to tell and providing suggestions and new ideas or new directions um, when I feel necessary. Um, and I try to make it clear that, you know, everything like you're, this is, this is your work and I don't want to change your work, but you know, I'm just here to, um, kind of help clarify. 
yeah, help clarify or if I can kind of um, understand something that you're trying to say, but it didn't really come through the best, uh, you know, on this page or that page, um, you know, trying to decipher that and figure out a better way to maybe word something or move it around or, um, you know, stuff like that. So, <clears throat> um, and another big thing that I always try to stress is like, you know, what you, you have to look at, like, you have to ask yourself, you know, what sorts of stories do you want to tell? I, I think that that's an important question to try to answer early on. And obviously that may change from semester to semester, week from week to week, you know, but it's rather than sitting down and like looking at a blank screen and being like, okay, what do I write? You know, um, I think a better way to sort of like ask that question is like, what kind of story do I want to tell? Not just like, what do I want to write? Um, Cause of course, like everyone wants to write, you know, the big action sequences with all these explosions and, you know, crazy stuff going on, falling out of the sky, whatever aliens, monsters. Um, because that sounds like a blast, but not everybody can do that and do that well. You know, I, I think that, um, <clears throat> I think that writing is also something that should be, um, you got to find a personal way into a story. Oh yeah. And, um, and I think just to cut so, in, I feel like you have to almost take the journalistic mindset of like what you talked about that action movie or like, let's say like a, a cop movie or like a detective movie. You can't write that unless you n can get inside their heads. And I think as a kid, I always wanted to write like a novel, let's say. And the thing that stopped me, I would like get a couple pages in and I'd be like, I don't know how this works about the world or how this looks from the inside. So how could I possibly describe it? Um, and I think the exact same thing, even more so, applies in filmmaking where it's a very visual medium. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I mean, re and, and even in the writing stage, right, like research is tremendously important. Um, and I think that, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, um, unless you lived the experience that you were trying to write for a character or, or sort of like new or un really understood uh, character that someone was trying to write, you know, if you're trying to, I mean, just like the example that you just mentioned about a cop or, you know, a doctor or something, um, you either needed to know somebody or you needed to try to make contact with one of those people or, you know, a medical office or to do some ride alongs with the cop or whatever to like, you know, do that research. But I think now the world is our oyster in the fact that like you can get on YouTube, you can get on Google and you can search pretty much just about anything and find thousands and thousands of pages of information that, you know, if you take the time and do the research. And again, this is kind of part of discipline, right? Like understanding that part of the process is uh, and should be researching subject matter. Um, you know, even if like, even if you think, um, you know, well, I'm just writing this story about, you know, uh, a single mom and, you know, a, a 
they're two kids going on a road trip across the country or whatever. Um, you know, unless you have firsthand experience with that, like it would probably be good to do some searching for some blogs where, you know, people have done this before and kind of like figuring out, you know, what sorts of routes people took or, you know, even like looking at a map, you know, to like really understand the layout of the country or, um, you know, cause all of those details should be filtering into what it is that you're writing, right? Like the story. And, and I, I think that like, especially in, in, in the screenwriting one class, that that's the thing that I feel like is um, not always so readily apparent or the thing that's kind of missed the most is sort of taking that step in the process. Like, I think that the majority of the times uh, or the majority of of the scripts are like, you know, it's a couple of days before it's due and, and, and they're sitting down and looking at that blank screen and kind of thinking like, okay, what do I write? And then whatever comes to mind is like, just the thing that's going to happen, you know? Um, whereas like, you know, if you took some time a couple of days before that and like, you know, even just paid attention to your, uh, your internet surfing habits and like looking at all the tabs that you might have opened over the last four hours or whatever, like there's probably some nugget of information in there that's going to give you some idea to force you to like, I like going down rabbit holes, you know, like that's, that's how I learn a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, I really have fun kind of in, that space, like being able to do research. And, um, you know, I was been working on this script about uh, some people who believe in like, you know, doomsday prophecies and stuff. And, you know, as dark as it might sound like going down that rabbit hole for like a couple of weeks uh, led to so many other sort of weird, um, you know, spiritual beliefs and, and all of this stuff that, that really started to kind of infiltrate itself, you know, into this thing that I was writing uh, and made it a lot more rich. So, um, well, yeah, cause I think the idea of research, especially in an art medium, like filmmaking and screenwriting in general, um, it, I mean, just the idea of research kind of gives me that feeling of like too sciencey, um, having to cite my sources and just something about it feels so cold and it's like, oh, it's supposed to be free flowing. And I think that's a huge myth, but I think I liked what you said in calling it a rabbit hole and saying that you like to go down the rabbit holes. I think the idea of kind of changing the wording, cause it's, it really isn't research. It's doing like looking at what you're curious about, reading about it, and then telling a story from that. Cause I think a lot of the time, um, and I, I, I can say this from personal experience of like, maybe I just have like a nugget of an idea, like, oh, I want to do something about, uh, let's say like chefs and like cooking, but like, I may not want to do the research or research or like dive down a rabbit hole on cooking. It's like, why would I try to tell a story about that when I've been watching videos about um, this other thing for weeks. Why not tell a story about the thing I'm already curious about? Right. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. Um, 
I, and I, I think that you're right. I, I think that the word, the word research seems too formal, seems too academic, seems like more work. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe in the future, uh, personally trying to uh, approach that subject with a little bit of a different outlook. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I try to like, like, I, I think that there's something, I always like seeing people's desktops or like seeing their internet browser open and like seeing that, you know, to refer to tabs again, like seeing the tabs that they have open, because I think that that says so much about what we're doing, but also interested in, like, in a very specific moment. And, you know, I'm someone who will have, you know, at times dozens of tabs open. Um, and, you know, I I actually try to, like, I keep them open because I'm I'm sort of like reusing them and going back and looking for other stuff, you know, whereas like, you know, there might be other people who out of habit sort of like open a lot of tabs, but then they're not really ever returning to that stuff, right? And so, you know, trying to offer the suggestion of like, if you're really struggling for ideas, just look at what it is that you've kind of you know, look at what your your internet browsing habit was today, right? And like maybe there's something there that's worth mining. Um, yeah, I completely so. agree. Uh, one other aspect of screenwriting and filmmaking in general, specifically for young filmmakers, it like, like myself, I think one area I'm that I wasn't really taught, but I'm glad I, I mean, maybe it's not the best thing, but I had this mindset of if I write something it has to be feasible to what I could film now. So I don't write and I wouldn't write any special effects into my thing. And I wouldn't even go crazy, um, even crazier than that. And I just wonder, because I think some people are the opposite where they write really grand scripts that could never get filmed unless they become a huge director. And in 20 years, they just have people throwing money at them, which is very unrealistic. But I wonder if my mindset, maybe there's kind of a balance in between because my mindset, I'm not going to venture into After Effects. Whereas like someone like um, Michael Berry, who I interviewed on this podcast earlier, he does some special effects and it's never overboard. And it's never, at least from what I've seen, never cheesy. I, you yeah. can tell that he only does what he's learned, what he's comfortable with. Mm-hmm but he's still stretching himself at the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're sort of asking about when can, uh, or just feasibility in general, I guess, like riffing on that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm very much, I, I'm very much of the mindset that I, I try to write what I think can be done with limited means like i'm you know i i i don't have anyone throwing money at me to make a project you know um so my personal approach is like i'm i'm gonna try to write something that i think that i can make within my own means right and 
that obviously means like what I would be able to pay for out of my own pocket. And so that's extremely low budget stuff. Now talking about like a feature or something that's a little bit different, um, but still the majority of the ideas and scripts that I have that I would love to make at some point, like they wouldn't take much to be done. Um, so I, I think that, I think this question of like, when is, when is, uh, when am I being like overly ambitious perhaps, or like unrealistic, um, is an important one. Like, I, I think that definitely starting out, trying to find, trying to write from more, trying to sort of use the old adage of like writing what you know, I think is really important. Um, cause that's obviously going to uh force yourself to uh reflect on your own experiences or shared experiences that you might have um or to think about you know people around you and um and their experiences and and that's going to kind of provide this sort of like personal into uh into you know this this sort of storytelling and screenwriting early on which i think is important um because no one, like no one, I really don't think that anyone should just sort of start out trying to write like a Marvel movie. Um, I completely you agree. Know, like, like I just don't, like I think that especially when you're in school, you should be trying to write things that you can go out with some friends and make like next weekend, you know? Um, and you should also be writing things that are building on the new skills that you're learning in other classes right like someone like michael like sort of you know if you look which i you know i've seen uh i went down a rabbit hole at some point uh in the not so distant past and like watched a lot of the stuff that he made like early on right mm -hmm. and if you sort of watch it all there's a very clear progression of him and, and everyone's sort of involved with like it's like a fox right right yeah and i'll link that on uh, the podcast yeah with with all of their um stuff like you can see a very clear progression of them like learning and getting better and kind of like always trying to do something a little bit bigger a little bit better but never beyond um never without reason to to where it would fail you know, um, if, if that makes any sense. And so like, you know, even like for me personally, um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying, especially when I was doing a lot of music videos, like the, I was always trying to have each of the videos, like, you know, use a new piece of equipment or use a better camera or try some different, you know, lighting setups or camera moves or whatever. Like I always wanted to have like one kind of like ambitious thing that I would try out um because otherwise it's like you could kind of get stuck in this cycle of just sort of like doing the same thing over and over and not really um i guess learning through uh possible failure um if yeah. that makes any sense and i think getting bored of what you're making which should should never happen if you're actually growing and trying different things in the medium yeah for sure and so you know i think you know i mean to to come back to the question, I, I think trying to trying to ask, you know, 
or constantly asking yourself, like, is this something that I could, even if you don't want to make it or don't think you have the skills, but like, you know, can you ask yourself, like, could I feasibly make this with a couple of friends and zero dollars uh, or some thrift store costumes? Um, that's kind of the space I think is that's really important to be navigating um right you know like right now when you're in school and you know this is a place for like experimentation and trying to find your voice and and so on now if you do a couple of those and like you know they turn out great and then you want to try your hand at you know writing something that is really uh you know this sort of epic sci-fi or you know and like can it really be epic if it's like 10 pages too? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's another thing that I see a lot, um, you know, in my classes is like, it's very hard to find what could be a good short film. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the, you know, a lot, a, a lot of my notes or the biggest note, the probably the, the one that I give the most is like, you know, this, this is a great concept, but it seems a lot bigger than the seven pages that you were supposed to write. So now you've tried, so now you've tried to cram, you know, what would be a two hour movie into seven pages. And in inevitably, the whole thing is being lost because you're, you're thinking, you know, too, it's, you're just thinking too big, right? Yeah. And I think there um, is such an art to short films that is so hard to explain if you've grown up watching feature films and it's you want to emulate your favorite feature film directors in seven minutes or eight minutes, like you said. I, I just wonder because, I mean, your screenwriting class, at least your screenwriting one class, is focused on short scripts. How do you kind of – I mean, well, how would you teach that or like – explain a, a short film instead of just a feature film because they are so different yeah um i think trying to watch a lot of them um and you know my like the best way for me to sort of explain the difference is that a short more often than not is just going to be a scene that's being taken out of a major plot point in a larger movie right or like it's going to be the end of the second act as opposed to the entire second act you know so it's like it it is it's even i mean it's even a tough thing to explain because i think that the the medium itself of like you know short films short form content in general is so um malleable that you know i've i've seen i've seen plenty of shorts that sort of like follow the classic three act structure and like have these very defined sort of uh you know moments in them that it's like oh wow this is like basically a 90 minute feature that's just you know condensed into 15 minutes or whatever um but then you know but then there's other things that you know i've i've seen that it's like wow that was 8 minutes of like 
you know, someone walking and nobody talking and it's literally just relying on like experience, right? Like the, the sort of experience the viewer is having of like witnessing this character or something. Yeah. And um, I think, well, I think it's similar to improv and you might disagree with me, but in the sense of improv comedy, when you like start a new scene, these characters already know each other. You don't spend time talking about your backstory, talking about how you know each other. It's just start the action. And I think that's the biggest difference from what I see between short films and feature films. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there is no, and I think that that's, yeah, there's, there's no, there's no time for, there's no time for character development. There's no time for backstory. There's no A and B plot or this and that, um, you know, scenes really in and of themselves shouldn't even be structured, um, the same way that you might find in a feature film. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like they have a tendency to work better if, you know, the audience is just sort of dropped into a moment, right? Like you're, you're, um, the scene is starting as the foot race is, has already been going on for 10 blocks, you know, um, as opposed to like seeing them turn the corner and having to jump the fence and this and that. Um, so so yeah, I think I think that that's that's a spot on um, assumption and read about the two um, and and their their major differences. It's just like you kind of you get to cut out all of the all of the stuff that kind of pads out, you know, a, a feature. Um, and some might say that that makes them less interesting, but I, you know, I I think. That's not necessarily true all the time. Yeah. So. They're just different in the, what, their style. But I kind of wanted to transition a little bit into kind of more of a overarching thing that I, again, heard from your other podcast. And you kind of said it. it I, I thought it was such a great point. But you had said that um, kind of all other artistic mediums can be found in filmmaking where you get – uh, beautiful music. You can see art in film, like paintings and, um, you know, there really is in composition. And for, so photography in that sense, there really is every other thing. And I think that's such a great point because, I mean, obviously this podcast is not focused on filmmaking specifically, even though that is what I'm focused on. But I think being able to see how there's something for everyone in the the medium of filmmaking is really important. Um, did you want to talk about that at all a little bit? Um, all right. I guess yeah. I, I feel like I kind of let you um, – I didn't really give a good question for that. I guess my question might be um, when, it, when it comes to like let's just say – I don't know. I, I guess what I, I'm trying to get at is let's say you're not a filmmaker and you're just a creative of another type, an artist of another type. Is there value in kind of learning from films? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, 100%. And I, I think that that goes – I think that that could, you know, that that sort of assumption or statement could also be, you know, um, could it, it's vice versa, right? Like, 
as a filmmaker, it's important to be looking at not just movies, but taking inspiration from all art forms um, and, and from many different facets of, of life and culture in general, right? And um, whereas if you practice in a different medium of, of any sort, um, you should also be taking in inspiration from all of those same uh, mediums um, and also don't forget about movies, which I think, uh, you know, in, in the past, I think that that was something that was probably a little bit difficult to forget about. But now I think that, um, I think that watching films isn't, it's just not the same that it used to be. So, you know, I could definitely, uh, as tragic as it would be, I could definitely see a version of the world in, you know, 10 years where, um, you know, the sort of like movie watching habits of people in general are going to be way down because we're just so um, inundated and saturated with other forms of video content now that I think like those lines between like, you know, what is what is sort of moving image entertainment um you know that that whole landscape is so kind of murky right like i think um you know and this is a question that i that i ask in my classes when i try to get to know my students is like you know what do, what are you all watching um you know what are your what are some shows that you're you know, that you've been into or that you're just into in general or you know movies that you like or whatever um and you know, to be honest, each year that goes by, um, it's harder and harder to get answers out of a lot of students. And for a while, that was a little bit frustrating um, until I kind of thought about um, the media consumption habits of a lot of the, you know, of the students that I'm starting to get now, um, which I'm, I've started to get like a lot of freshmen um, and sophomores where, which I, I really did. I used to not necessarily have. Um, and of course, as I'm getting older, you know, everybody's staying the same age. And so that sort of age difference and cultural gap is growing wider and wider. Um, but I had to kind of think about like, Oh, well, you know, as weird as it might seem to me that, you know, no one watched anything on Netflix or whatever, like went to the movies this weekend. Um, that's probably not that strange to them because for the most part, you know, a lot of people are consuming, you know, whatever their YouTube channels are or just scrolling through Instagram or, you know, spending hours on end on TikTok. And like, that's, con you know, that's like, that's where the entertainment value is sort of placed now, right? Or on these sort of like quick, uh, shareable, short form um, types of media. And so I don't really know where exactly where I was going with this thought. Well, but... to kind of cut in on that um, idea of like, okay, the quick, quick uh, form of content with social media versus I, I agree that maybe feature length movie watching is on the decline and kind of will be on the decline. But I, I think this trend of like limited series or just 
long form TV shows that really care about what they're making. I think of uh, the latest season of Fargo and The Queen's Gambit, which are two, in my opinion, like the two of the most recent um, limited series are just really beautifully done TV shows that I've seen. And I wonder if it's not so much that the generation is kind of like like feature-length films are dying with the generation. It's just that the younger generation, my generation, because we have that content now, we're obsessed with it, but we may outgrow it. I mean, I remember I had a teacher in high school say that um, like, oh, you guys don't use Facebook now, but when you're all 30, everyone's on Facebook. And it's just this transition of like social medias and the content that you like to watch, maybe slowing down a little bit. And that's all speculation, but I I don't think that like long form, really well done quality content will die just because um, generations shift. Yeah, no, I don't. And I I don't, I don't think it'll die. And I also don't think that any of these other things, I feel like I can kind of come off as if I'm like, uh, I have a bad opinion about this, like sort of social media influencer culture and just like, you know, this kind of other side of, uh, you know, video and content and stuff. Um, and I, I don't, I don't hate any of it by any means. I just merely like, as an observation, I I think that there's, there's this sort of interesting dichotomy right now between, uh, and there, there, and it, it, I think part of it is that there has to be, for whatever reason, there has to be like a distinction between these things, right? Like there's like a film is like in a theater, it's 90, it, you know, it's, it's, it's long, it's this, right? Like it has to sort of like fit into this box and like, you know, YouTube has to be like this or that and has to like fit into this box. Um, whereas again, if you take a step back and sort of like deconstruct all of these things, it's all just time-based moving image art, right? And whatever capacity, however long it might be, however short it might be, however many segments it might take to get the full story or whatever. And so in that sense, I think that there could very soon be this kind of interesting alchemy where you know, the types of stories that are being told in the form that they're going to take in these like limited series and, you know, the stuff that that we see on big streaming platforms or in the theater are inevitably going to have to start taking the best bits of the, the, the form that these shorter pieces are taking, right? Like, like, you know, if you, if you study TikTok, like in all of its many facets like there's a formula to the way certain sort of like tiktoks are made you know and that's no different than like how to shoot standard coverage of a scene of two people talking right so like you know it's it's just like it's just tools and so whether you're you know to get back to this question of like you know all these artistic mediums being in film or you know if you're working in another art form and taking inspiration from film like if you're an artist, I think that you need to be like 
a sponge in terms of like culture in, in general, no matter what it is that you're doing. Um, because if you, you know, if you're, if you're good or you sort of know what you want, you can find a way to use what is interesting about that painting or what is interesting about that book you read last week. Um, you'll be able to figure out a way to use those interesting bits and filter them through in whatever your own sort of means of expression is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I feel like we could go a hundred different directions, but I do want to wrap this up. Um, so I'll just end it. And we didn't even get a touch on stand-up comedy or um, you being a parent, but that is just going to have to be oh, saved. Um, so I'll just end it with the final question. Can creativity be taught? Why or why not? I... I think that I don't think that creativity can be taught. I think that there are tools that can be taught and beyond learning those tools, creativity is left up to the creator. Uh, but I will say that I do believe that creativity is something that can be nurtured and guided but i don't think i think that it's a two-way street um you know i don't think that i could have taught you how to necessarily do what it is that you're doing and like starting to find your voice as a creative and as an artist right um but i would like to think that there were some things that I said at some point when you were in class and, and, you know, as rambling or tangential as it might've been, it resonated with you and maybe sparked an idea that led you to this point at some, you know, in some way, shape or form. Right. So, so I don't think, you know, it's, it's not something that can be learned by a book. Um, you know, I, I think that it's because it's, it's just, entirely subjective and left up to the to the person who is creating um to sort of figure out what what creativity is to them so so yeah you know in that in that sense i don't think it can be taught but it could definitely be guided um, yeah and nurtured and nurtured and yeah i mean i think that's that's the point of teachers like you and i mean if someone chooses to major in something like film production, then there's probably that spark already in them. And the people who aren't interested in that aren't going to be like interacting with that. So I think that works out. And so just in this conversation, I mean, I feel like you've already sparked ideas in me and I could have gone way deeper on the stuff we talked about, but I'm going to end it here. So thank you so much for coming on, Michael. This has been Purple Elephant Radio. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week.